Good morning, everybody. Jason Connor, lead pastor of Portico Church Arlington. So great to be with you this morning. We are starting a new series today in the book of Psalms. It's called Infinite Playlist because our single desire is together that we will build a playlist. We will, we will understand what these songs are that God gives us in this book and what function they have. I, I've talked to people that don't like the Psalms because they're strange. They're not really into poetry. And I know some people that absolutely love the Psalms. So they're there for a very specific reason. So we're going to learn together what that is and how to, to build a playlist, if you will, that will go the distance. <clears throat> Playlists are something that I like um, way back in the day when we would make a mixtape or even create a CD. It's something actually that our family has always done, and we will share these playlists with one another. In fact, a few weeks back, um, it was a Saturday. I was not having a great day. I say that a lot when I'm preaching. I don't know why, um, because I'm talking to you. But uh, I wasn't having a great day. Uh, my bride was at work, and she's on the front lines, and I sat on the couch, probably had some other things to do, but you know, I, I said to myself, I'm going to make a playlist and I'm going to ship it out to my family. So I did. Uh, it had a very creative name, but it was about really came out of the frustration that I was feeling over COVID, quite frankly. Um, the isolation it's bringing to us, the fear and the anxiety, how it's fundamentally changed the existence that we have. So I shipped this out and... Um, yeah, so it's, it's been very good. Um, one of the things that that does is it, it builds hope for us together. So as I ship that out to my family, we had this, this shared experience of hope based on this playlist. Now, it was simple songs like maybe The End of the World as We Know It by R.E.M. Uh, there was some Muse in there. Um, who else was in there? Some Alison Krauss. So it was there. So how does that build hope? Uh, because it speaks to the circumstance that we're in. It makes sense to us and helps us make sense of what we're going through. So, uh, yeah, uh, and that is something that's very, very normal for us to do. And I know that you do that, too. Some people have a playlist for working out. Uh, some people have a playlist for when they cook dinner. You use music and poetry to really engage your mind, your heart, your imagination, your soul in ways that just regular prose and words cannot. God gives us this. He gives us songs in the Psalms that are designed to do the very same thing. This book, this book of Psalms, is kind of tied to the whole salvation story. It has a creation narrative, a fall narrative, exile, back to the temple, restoration, Messiah, new creation. It's in there. And within this playlist, if you will, within this book of Psalms, um, God will meet us or give us a voice for every circumstance that you have. It's meant to do that. That's joy. There's lament. There's frustration. There's anger. And not even the good kind of anger, just, just anger. So this is designed to give you, to give me a voice. And so if we don't understand it, uh, we are missing out. We are just almost like missing out music. In fact, this is why we sing the Psalms. Uh, we sing, in fact, the I think four out of the five songs we're going to sing today, every one of them weaves in and out of the Psalms. Uh, and you can just see that, that they're just a part of who we are. It's part of what God gives us. So how should we engage these? Well, first, know that um, they're meant to be prayed. They're meant to be sung. 
They're meant to be experienced and recited. The Psalms are not just something that you study. I mean, when's the last time you took out song lyrics and really studied them? You sing them. You experience them. So the Psalms are meant to do that. They're meant to give you a voice in all these circumstances. And here's how they anchor you. Because what they do is they bring the presence of God into your circumstances. If you read all of these psalms, they're drawing God into your circumstance. So it's his presence, his character, um, it's, it's his actions that we're responding to, not just, or maybe primarily not, our circumstances. It happens very differently in whatever psalm you're talking about, but it always happens. So we're going to do that. We're going to walk through the next several weeks uh, the book of Psalms, and we're going to build a playlist for different categories and different circumstances and different seasons for our life. So today we're going to be in Psalm 1. Uh, it's a very good psalm. It's the, it's the entryway to the book of Psalms, so you can go there uh, if you have that now. So let me, um, let me pray for us, and then we're just going to dive right in to Psalm 1 together. So get ready. You're, you're going to be building a playlist that you can learn how to sing, not just when we're gathered together, but sing and recite and pray. You can push your prayers into the Psalms. You can, tuck, you can bring the Psalms into your prayers. Uh, it works both ways. So let's get ready to do that. Uh, let's, let's just pray together first. Dear Heavenly Father, I do thank you so much um, that you, you give us such a varied experience in your word. And the book of Psalms is so critical to what it means to belong to you, to, uh, to be loved by you, to love you. So we need this book, Lord. Honestly, this is something that we normally ignore. And so our prayer this morning is that you would open up this powerful, beautiful book of treasure, that we might behold it, that we might see it, and that we might learn how to meet you there. And even more than that, how you meet us there. So we give you this time, Lord, and we thank you. And we lift this up in the name of Jesus. Amen. So let's go right to it. Uh, we'll be in Psalm chapter 1. I figure that's a good place to start uh, if we're going to start in the Psalms, right? And it's, it's probably one that you're familiar with. And it's very important because understand this Psalm is very different. Psalm 1's kind of different than the rest of the Psalms. It's like an on-ramp or uh, a, a gateway into the Psalms. It's going to feel a little bit more like wisdom literature, which is good. So let me just read this to us. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of waters that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So right off the bat, you see that this psalm is talking about blessedness. Here's an easy way to translate that because we don't use that term very much. It very simply means happiness. That's what it means. In fact, when you look at um, the Beatitudes in 
Matthew chapter 5, you see Jesus using the same terminology. It's blessedness. It's very easy to translate that to happiness. So this deals first and foremost with what you're drawing your happiness from. Not only that, it discerns. So, so the first psalm here is to help us discern where are we finding our happiness? Where, what ground, if you will, are we planting ourselves into such that we will find blessedness or happiness? That's very much like wisdom literature because wisdom literature will hold out two ways. Walk this way, you're going to have frustration and judgment and curse, walk this way in the way that God has for you, you're going to have blessedness and happiness. So this is what this psalm is doing. So the big idea that this psalm brings to us is this happiness, that your happiness will grow if your life is planted in good ground. You see that metaphor there, the tree? Psalms is going to be very good about that. Gives us lots, like a song, gives us lots of imagery to look at, and that will dig deep into your psyche, into your soul, into your imagination. So let's let that do that as we walk through that. But the big idea here is that your happiness will grow or happiness will grow only when and if your life is planted into good ground. So we want to understand what that good ground is that Psalm 1 gives us. So we're going to look at it in three different ways. First is what is bad ground? So the way that this psalm is organized is it first gives us, very much like wisdom literature, the, the thing that you don't want to plant your life into. Secondly, we'll look at the good ground that this tree is planted in. And also, we want to understand what is the fruit that grows in your life? What can we expect when we plant ourselves in this good ground? What does it mean for our life? And how does that fruit work in our life? So first, let's look at the bad ground. Uh, well, as I mentioned, Psalm 1 is an entryway psalm. If you don't understand Psalm 1, the rest of the album's not going to make sense. I just, I have to let you know that. It's a little bit like the originals, um, I don't know, maybe in Star Wars, the, the crawl of the text in the beginning, where you learn that um, there's this fight going on, and there's a Death Star, and there's plans, and Princess Leia, and you on and on and on. If you didn't have some background, then when the, sc the screen pans down, always, to the spaceships fighting, you may not really know what's going on. So it's a little bit like that. It's an on-ramp. If you miss this on-ramp, if you don't understand what the deal is with this tree, you're going to walk right past the path, and you're going to miss it, and you're not going to find it. So understand that. And this psalm is meant to discern us. It's not really meant to give us a lot of information. It's here to discern you so that you will be able to read this, and you will be able to say, am I in the camp of the righteous or am I in the camp of the wicked? And we'll explain what that means. Now, in Psalms, especially in the Old Testament, it's going to use righteousness differently than the New Testament does normally. It's not necessarily talking about justification. It's talking about your commitment to God because he's committed to you, your trust in him, and the way that changes your life. So first, it's a gateway. We know that. And it's going to tell us, don't plant here. So the first thing that this Psalm 1 does, it says, don't plant your life here. And it gives vivid understanding of what that means. So let's walk through this. It shows a progression. Um, it says, uh, blessed is he who walks not, so it's negative, not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Now this is very deliberate Old Testament poetry. You need to see the progression here. There's a progression and it shows you a 360 degree view of bad ground or bad soil. So the first one is, um, I want you to see the walk, stand, sits. That's meant to mean a 
an increasing commitment on your part to something that's not good. So we can walk with people. A lot of times you might be walking out in your neighborhood and you see somebody and you kind of join up with them. Maybe they're walking their dog and you are too. That's an association. Uh, the next is standing. So if you get into a further conversation or that person is your friend, you might find yourself stopping six feet of part, of course, okay. but you're going to talk, right? You're going to talk. You're going to be together. There's closer association. And now sitting, that's where you belong. That's where you, you place yourself in greater intimacy, maybe even at a table. So you see there's a growing progression here. And look what they're, they're uh, walking, standing, and sitting into. First, it's walking in the counsel of the wicked. That's your thought process. That's your worldview. That's what you're putting into your mind and what's coming out of your mouth. So there's that. Secondly, it's, um, it's, it's standing in this, this, this way of the sinners. This is more like the, the, the way of your life. Anytime the Old Testament talks about a way or a pathway, it's, it's how your life is going. So it's, it's your thinking and it's also your living. You're, you're standing in this way. You've committed yourself to this way. And lastly, you sit in the seat of scoffers. Now, wicked, what does wickedness mean in the Old Testament? Because we don't use that word much. It means that you're committed to not following God. In other words, this is what it feels like. Yeah, I know there may or may not be a God out there, but I'm going to live my life the way I'm going to live it. So you, you may even believe that there's a God, but you've committed not to follow him. So that, that's the seat of wickedness. It's a little bit different than transgression or sin. But you've committed to this seat. Um, it's belonging. So you see the progression is thinking, living, belonging. If you plant yourself in this ground, this is what it feels like. Where you get your information, how you live your life, what you're committed to, and really ultimately where you see yourself belonging. This will define the soil and the ground that you have planted your life into. So if, if happiness grows when we're planted in good soil, this is where you don't want to plant. In fact, just from this progression right off the bat, here's three ways, three good ways to destroy your happiness. One is this, commit yourself to worldly wisdom. Think about where you scroll all the time. What is your information source? What do you feed your mind with all the time? That's where you've planted yourself. You have invested yourself in that. So that, that's, that's a good way, according to the psalm, to disrupt or rip yourself out of God's soil. So first, it's worldly wisdom. Uh, secondly, it's setting up a posture of your in your life of self-rule. In other words, you're saying to yourself and believing, nobody knows what will make me happy more than I do. I'm in charge of my own happiness. I will live my life for my own happiness. Nobody, including God, knows what I need more than I do. That, that's, this is what the Psalm 1 is showing you. That is planting in ground that is, you're, you're going to die, right? That, that's where the, the tree dies. And lastly, it's not just a posture, but you are committing to yourself. It's, it's, it's where you see yourself as wise in your own eyes. It's the essence of arrogance. It's the scoffer who looks down at anybody else that thinks differently than they do. You're not afraid of conflict. You're not afraid to get hot if somebody crosses you. Um, you're a scoffer. Like You have figured it out, and you're going to do it your way, and you're certainly not going to give your way to the Lord. So this is the soil that destroys happiness. This is the bad ground that we don't want to find our roots in that destroys happiness. So what is the good ground? What is the good ground that Psalm 1 gives us? Well, um, 
As we get there, let me ask you this. What keeps you up at night? I've been talking to a lot of people, and I hear a lot of things from people in regards to their sleep patterns that have changed over the last few months. Now, some people have kids, so we know you're not going to sleep. Sorry. Um, probably back in a year or two. But what pop, you know how you get up at night, maybe it's two or three in the morning, and your brain is going. It's in fifth gear for some reason. And it, these intrusive thoughts don't let you settle down. Your heart starts to go. The adrenaline starts to flow. <sighs> Listen, you're meditating on something. Behind the scenes, in your brain, maybe not consciously, but, and then it pops to the front when you wake up. You are built to meditate. Meditation is not thinking about nothing. It's not just like emptying your mind. This is not what the Old Testament is talking about. This is not what the psalmist is talking about, no. But that is the, the task or that's the action of meditating. So good ground, the happiness that this is talking about, there's a disruptive feature to God's word that disrupts and displaces what you will normally meditate on, which is this is how I need to be happy. I'm wise in my own eyes. I'm committed to my own way. Um, th this is what we do. So what does the text say here? It says, but his delight is on the law of the Lord, and on it he meditates day and night. So let's unpack that just a little bit. So the psalmist here is saying, the one who's planted in this good ground, he meditates on the law of the Lord. So what is the law of the Lord? It's his word. It's, it's literally instruction. So it's the word of God that he's given us, his revealed word, scripture, it's disruptive. It's meant to disrupt your life. It's meant to disrupt your thought pattern. So much so that there's no time when it's not applicable to your life. So not just on Sundays, not just during community group or when you have your quiet time or however you do it, but the word of God is meant to be living and active so that it goes to war against whatever you're meditating on that's pulling you out and ripping you out of the good soil that God has built your life on. So it's meant to feel a little bit disrupted. Well, not a little bit, a lot disrupted such that the word of God actually feeds you. And when you meditate on it, when you choose to use it, it's restructuring your roots into this good ground. So it's meditating, meditating on his instruction at all times, day and night. That's a merism. That, in other words, that means at all times. There's never going to be a circumstance whether you're happy, sad, um, offended, accused, unjustly accused, uh, whether you're, whatever you've done, you're going to find something in God's word empowered by his spirit to meet you there and disrupt how you're thinking. And it gives us this beautiful imagery of a tree. So this is what this feels like. It feels like you are this tree. So let me just read that again. It says, but he will be, or he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. Let me read you something out of Jeremiah 17, very close to this. You know that they're feeding off each other in this book, uh, but it goes a little bit more in the description. It says, this is Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, same idea, planted in good ground, whose trust is in the Lord, Verse 8, he is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of the drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So here's the idea. This is not hard. Trees are happy when they're planted by water. Do you see that? What, what is the dynamic at work? The roots go deep 
even if it's in a semi-arid or in a drought situation or in punishing heat, the roots are sourced by this stream. Do you see that the stream is the word of God? Do you see this source is God himself feeding this tree? And because of this, because the psalmist is meditating and engaging the word of God, he's not even afraid of death. His, his leaves that should be shriveled up like, everybody's, uh, like everybody else's, should be dying because of the drought, are actually sourced and are green. His life is producing fruit. And just so you know, fruit is not really about serving the tree. Fruit always serves something else beyond the tree. And that's how God has designed us. He's producing fruit and he prospers. Now, that doesn't mean that every desire that you have, God is going to, you know that. It means that your purpose, the purpose that God has for your life cannot be disrupted or destroyed based on circumstances. And the psalmist understands that. And like a tree, you will thrive. Like a tree that is planted by this river, by sourced by God himself, does not dry these leaves prove it, there is fruit yielding and he's going to prosper. This is what we're supposed to take from this here. This is what it's like or feels like or looks like uh, to be planted in good ground, which is sourced by God himself. Now, it's, it's always giving the contrast, right? So if you see this, this mighty tree, roots go deep, go wide, sourced by this river of God, the contrast is the wicked, those that live by themselves, though who li- they, they define good for themselves. Um, they are right in their own eyes. God might be in their circle, but they really don't submit. They're like chaff. You know what chaff is? It's wheat. So when you rub wheat and you look at it, you have all the husks that come off of the seed. And in Old Testament and ancient times, the way that we'd separate it is once they would the, the husk was separate, they would throw it up basically with a pitchfork in the afternoon and went windy, and the chaff would blow away and the heavy seeds would drop to the threshing floor. So when, you are, when, you, when you're not planted in God, this is not only what your life feels like, this is what your life is like. You're blown away. You drift. You're dry. You're not anchored to anything but yourself. And it, life feels like chaff. So Happiness grows when your life is planted in good ground. This good ground that Psalm 1 is teaching us, is telling you, is in fact God's word. It's sourced by him. It comes from him. It protects you. There's no drought that will starve you out. There will be times when you feel like you're drifting. You feel dry. But this is why there's meditation involved. You let God's word disrupt everything else that's moving through your brain, all of it. Are you planted like that in God's instruction? This is really, hmm, this has been something I've had to learn this week because I like to read the Psalms just for the joy of it, but there's, there's more than that. This is meant to be built like a song that teaches us. So what is this fruit? If our happiness grows because we're planted in this good soil, which is God himself, what fruit? We want to unpack this just a little bit. What kind of fruit do we see in our lives? What is it talking about? Well, here's the, here's the fruit I think that you can expect. It's resilience. Y- you know what a good tree is? A tree that's not blown over by the wind. A tree that when the, w- the roots get soggy even, it doesn't fall over. A tree that when it suffers a summer or even a season of drought, it doesn't die. That, my friend, is called resilience. Now, it's Mother's Day. You know who's a good example of resilience? Many times, it's a mom. 
right? Sometimes they can be a mama bear, and, but, and sometimes they can be super kind and sweet, and they are so good. God is just, I don't know how he does it, but he gives them this, this spirit where they're just resilient. I learned a lot of my resiliency from my mom. You're bouncing back, right? Um, this is the type of fruit that you want to see. You, like this tree, build resiliency into your life, and it's based on the trust of the Lord. So three, three attributes that this resiliency or this fruit will give to your life. And I'm going to pull them right out of Jeremiah because he gives us some really good ideas of what this resiliency feels like in your life. Number one is this. Fear doesn't drive your decisions. Fear, hear that. Fear is not driving your life. Now, based on the season that we're in, check that. Check that. Uh, It's not a fun season. So one of the ways you function as a tree planted by the Lord in good ground, sourced by him, is that when you experience fear, because every one of us does, it doesn't run your life. It doesn't drive your decision-making process. This is why in Jeremiah it says that he does not fear. It's not that you don't experience that. It's just the heat doesn't kill you, right? You are not driven by this fear. You're not making decisions based on self-preservation, based on fear. You are learning how to trust God. This is so difficult to do, and there's no way to really do it outside of God himself knowing you and feeding you. It keeps your leaves green. The opposite is uprooting and running, right? It's making decisions based on what you're most afraid of. This is why so much in the Old Testament is fear God alone, fear nothing else. Um, Secondly, is what does that fruit feel like? Uh, Well, it feels like fruit, if I can say that. Fruit is not focused on anything but serving another person. So much of the Old Testament, even the New Testament, this fruit, right? The fruit doesn't actually benefit the tree. It takes from the tree. It actually saps energy and strength from the tree. So the fruit that we see is actually to serve others. So we don't focus or let our fears drive us. We're focused on the fruit of God. We know our, our, our leaves are going to be green, even if it doesn't feel like it. We know that God is going to sustain us and provide for us. Therefore, we can spend our energy and our emotions and our drive on serving others. We know this is God's desire for us. This doesn't take a lot of imagination. It just, you can't do it on your own. If you're not planted in good soil, if you're not planted in Christ, uh, that's it's virtually impossible to sustain that kind of life. So these are the attributes, and this is what really wraps it up, the third one, is that you're known by God. Did you pick on that? In the very end of the verse here, this is the strength of all of it. Because in verse 5 it says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment. That means you're not going to withstand judgment, living your own way. Nor Sinners in the congregation of the righteous, right? You're, you're going to belong not to God's people. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The idea here is that God knows you. It's not knows about you. God just doesn't know something of you or know your He knows you. He's considered your life. He's considered your path. You are known by him. If you truly believe that, and he's not here ignoring you or here to uproot you, You will go deep into that soil and you will produce great fruit for him. You're known by him. So where are you planted? Where have you planted your life? 
What soil are you trying to make your roots take hold of? Are you going deep into this river, into God's word, into his instruction? Is this, is what, is this what's bringing along your thought process? Is this what, what drives how you live and even how you belong, where you belong? Where are you planted? This is the question that Psalm 1 leaves with us. Where are you planted? Because if you look at this psalm, who can walk like that? You know who the only one is who's actually walked and sat and and lived his life in such a way that he actually is righteous? It is Jesus. But he's not shown as the tree here. He was actually put on a tree, right? He suffered for us that we might actually have happiness as oaks, as trees planted in God. He's done that for us. So as we build a playlist, as we learn all these beautiful songs God has given us to give us a voice in different seasons of life, you have to be planted in his soil. You have to be trusting in him. He has to be that for you. So I encourage you to do that. Trust him. Um, Repent. That means turning from sin and holding on to him. Plant your life. Let him drive how you think. Uh, Let him drive um, how you live, where you belong. Let him have that. Let him be the source that you grow from. Because this is where your happiness is, friend. Your happiness is only going to grow. My happiness will grow as we plant ourselves deep into God. He is the good soil. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much uh, for this morning. Uh, We thank you that you don't just show us the way, Jesus. You are the way. Um, You don't just give us an instruction manual and say, live this way. You actually live this way and were crushed and gave up your life for us that we actually might know the happiness of being known by God the Father through faith. And so I pray that for all of us, Lord, as we walk through this season of life, as we walk through this series, that you would help us to understand where our roots are planted and where we're trying to grow. Let it be in you, Lord. Let it be in that good soil. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.